With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ. That's right, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ. Big good morning to you on a frosty, frozen Watatahi Christchurch morning. That is right, I hope you're keeping warm out there. I know must be cold in Auckland because Mr Tony Kemp, I don't know what he's up to, but if you get a uh, chance to look at the socials today, take a look. Probably the best yet. Best <laughs> ever. I've seen you dressed up, Mr. Tony Kemp. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, but I'm good. You'll get best dressed up. I've just got a jacket on. <laughs> it's freezing outside, mate, and the only thing I could find when I walked out the door is we had my jacket hanging up on the coat hanger, so I put that on, um, and I'm just about to take it off because Rick's got the studio <laughs> heaving at the moment. It's <laughs> nice and warm. It's like toasty as. Um, but, yeah, mate, no, good to be back. Good good to be back after uh, taking a day on Friday Kimpy. and heading up north. It was beautiful. It's- it's Jake the Mus esque, I must say. Are you wearing a black singlet under there? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, mate. Back in my days on the door. Yeah. Got any ID? No, you're out. Get out. Get out of here. Not in those shoes, bro. <laughs> what do you think? This is this is a club, mate, not the rec works. Get out. Get out of here. No, mate. It's um Oh, it was cold though this morning. You just be careful down there, eh? You be careful down there on your on your little hoppy leg and your your crutches, you know, sliding around on the oh. frosty decks. Mate. I had a morning, lads. Rick Dog, big good morning to you, brother. Morning, but I had bro. a big morning. I um I had my first little whoopsie, whoops a daisy, and thankfully, thankfully, my daisy walked out and helped me out. But uh, yeah, had a little slip on the deck first time this morning. Got a bit confident, you know. Yeah. You're walking around and just you know, when you're walking through the ocean and you've got a little stick in your prodding just to hopefully see that stingray or feel that stingray or something that's just going to give you a bit of a fright in the front of you. Well, I was doing that with my 
Oh my crutch, I was walking. Oh yeah, that feels right. No frost on there. Well, anyway, get closer to the to the gate, and obviously there was a frosty bit, and it was pitch black. And put my crutch down and went went and did the moonwalk across the deck. And oh, first time I was like, oh yeah, this knee's pretty pretty sore. <laughs> and I just I was oh, in agony, careful. absolute agony. And uh, I must have been squealing because Daisy ran out and. And help me out, I was on the grass But um, your first little moment this morning, lads I was getting a bit too confident You have to go, so, you have um, to, you have to go for a trip down to Bunnings later today, mate And get you a strip of that, that grass You know, like that, that artificial grass yeah. And just strip that out along that um, that concrete you've got there Before your gate, heading into that house That little pool house, mate So you don't um, slip over Because I'd say the frost would be around for a couple more months down there Oh <sighs> I'll have to do it. Yeah, slip mat, I think it is. So we'll head along and to Bunnings and get me a nice little slip mat, put it on down, and uh, that'll that'll sort that problem. But that's okay. I'm here and I'm ready to rip into a big day. How was your weekend, Rick Dog? Uh, my weekend was pretty good, mate. Got to be said. Got to be said. Just uh, oh, you know, hung, hung out with the family pretty much. I went went round uh, to Ross Carl's place. You know Ross Carl. From Sky, went to went to Ross's on Friday night. Ate pizza, had a few beers, oh. watched the Blues. And then uh, nice. yeah, talked the daughter swimming on yeah, on Saturday, and you mean you out. didn't watch the Warriors? Well, no, I didn't. <laughs> didn't. Well, it's, it's, I've been meaning, man, man Ross has been meaning to catch up for ages, and it's, it's always been let, come around and watch the rugby. Come around and watch the rugby. So finally, finally made it work. So we went around and watched the rugby. So it's right. It was good though. It was good. It was a oh. good game. Mate, on the on the I'll turn on the that blues. straight off. On the I'll turn blues. That blues straight <laughs> off to the Warriors. I'm going to be completely. I was watching the whole Warriors game. It's so good. I mean, I had the I had the double screen going. You know, you can get this um, oh, the, the on the app. You've got to, you can actually watch both games and choose which mm. uh, commentary you want to listen to. I have the Warriors commentary off and listen to the the rugby talking about the Blues, mate. That that Blues winger, seriously, like he's Talia. got spi- he's got spiders on him, Talia. Mm. Like the way he runs and the way people fall off him. I'm in awe. I just watch him and go, he ain't nowhere getting through that. And he just, it's like he runs and shrugs his shoulders or something like that, you know, like he's like the rubber man and just shrugs people off him and they fall off him. I'm going, just tackle him. Look look at him. He's on telly now. He's not a big, he's not like the biggest man, is he? He's He's just unbelievably elusive. Oh, the the one thing that really um, painted the picture of how good this kid is is when he shrugged off Michael Hooper and there was about three others around him and they set up that try when Finlay Christie went about uh, 60 metres. Man, that's when I knew, oh, this guy is something different. And, and honestly, people won't believe this, but I room with Namani Nindolo and Namani, every pregame, he'd have this big bottle of this oil, and it looks like it's like I don't know what it is, but it comes from his village. It's a it's a special oil, so he'd rub it on his body before every game. And I'm thinking, oh, what is this? Is you know, and he's like, oh, it's just nice, good. It's, it's coconut oil from the village, from his village. It's it's a religious, spiritual thing. I don't know, but anyway, he rubs it on his body every time. And then it all it, came, it sprung to me that I was like. This is the reason they can't tackle him, mate. He's putting all the slippery soap, all this all over his whole body. I bet you Mark Talia does the same thing, because at the moment, no one can tackle the bugger. No one can get him. That's, that is so, probably right too, mate, because you know, it does look like that, is that when people put his hands on him, it's like, 
oh mate, they're just you know get your hands off me type thing. Um, if he isn't down on the list for the All Blacks when they name the championship side, uh, I'll eat my hat. He is by far the best <laughs> winger we've got in this country. I mean, like there's not even anyone close. He'll be there. He'll be there. He'll he be, be the first name. He'll be the first name, Rick Dog, on that list. But when you think of the others, man, I, I just can't. I, I'm confused. This is hard to pick. You know, where do they go? Stevenson, don't I love Zahn Sullivan? And I left him out of my All Blacks 15 last week. I was, I was like, what are you doing, you idiot? He's been going great for the full, um, for the, for the Blues at the back, too. But, um, mate, Mark Talia, first name on that list. Yeah, got to be. Got to be. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with, the, with that fullback position. We've talked about this before, though, right? I mean, when you've got mm. D-Mac and Bowden in your squad, because they're both going to go, we know they're both going to go, but Richie's your number one ten. That means you can probably select one less outside back. And for me, that's going to put somebody like Sean Stevenson in jeopardy of not going to the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, well, I, I don't, personally, I don't think they can leave him out. Now, I think if you go to a World yeah, Cup, no. you need X-Factor. You know, you need you need people that can uh, turn teams inside out, and both Stevenson and Talia have been doing. They're the best at, best at it this year in the in the in the Super Comp. So if they leave him out, you know, it's sort of you just got too many question marks around Bowden. Um, you know, Will Jordan how's his head. You know, Damien, yes, he can play in those positions, but at least you know what you get with um, Sean Stevenson. I mean, he carries the ball. Him and Talia carrying. If I was a defender. I'd be much more worried about Stevenson and Talia carrying the ball back at me than um, those other blokes. Well, I think Talia's got the 14 jersey nailed down, right? The question mark's really over who's yep. going to play in the 11. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the big question. And and the big question is, what do they do with Bowden? You know, like, Bowden's playing 10 predominantly for the, for the Blues. And I've already tried this at 2019, and I spoke about it during that time that I just want an out and out fullback, you know, that is playing that. So I do, I do understand their reasoning because Bowden can control the game. He knows, you know, when you're playing that 15 jersey, you got to be a driver. You got to be another, you know, uh, another voice and eyes for that 10 position and make good decisions on the left hand side. You need to be able to control two sides of the park when they hit the middle of the ruck. I can see that, but then on the flip side, he hasn't been playing there, so he is the key in this back three. I reckon. Where do where does Fozzie and Co. See Bowden Barrett fitting into this All Blacks. Is he a backup team, or is he going to be starting fullback? I think that's the big question. Yeah, yeah. and does he does he big, like does that pivot work? Does that two pivot with Richie Moonga or or D Mac and and uh, Bodie work? You know, is it is it too, you know, what do you call it lateral? Where they're moving it too lateral too often. That's some, sometimes when I'm watching the All Blacks, it, go, it tend to go that it goes that way when you've got Moonga um, Barrett. Well, I think you need more of a well, I'd hate to say it, but more of a direct fifteen. You know, that's going to just mm. take the line on. Um, that's a real that's a real interesting part because you come up against that defensive structures at the English or oh, the Northern Hemisphere sides the. The, the Irish that they play against you and shut you down, you're going to need someone who wants to carry the football. Yeah, I think, you know, Izzy, we used to go back to, uh, you know, going back to, say, Aaron Major's day or even Ryan Crotty's day. Mm. That that dual pivot was the 12, right? You basically had a 10 who played 12 or, you know, had that skill mm. set. But they've gone away from that. I don't know if that's because of the skill set of the midfielders they've got or they just see they want midfielders who are capable of different things and so they make that other pivot the 15. 
I think the the twelve is evolving into a bit more of a direct kind of runner. But in saying that, David Harvey's probably evolved and moulded into that that pivot and mm. that decision maker at twelve. He's very direct. He's he's obviously a big body, but he can control the game with his kick as well. And that's something that the Crusaders will have to make adjustments with Jack Goodhue at twelve. But going back to that point with the fifteen, uh, I'm hearing Kempi. You want a fifteen that is everywhere and anywhere and can break open a game. And the question mark, the questions are: Is if Bowden is at fifteen, are we going to see him being really direct, having a real crack, popping up in, in, in different parts of the field? We know he'll control the game. We know he'll get him into positions where he can make a difference and, and direct the the team around the park. But it's that broken play and that open play that's probably what we haven't seen with Bowden playing at ten. You know, because he's obviously having to be a driver and and playing flat at the line, but when you're seeing at fullback, you're going to have a bit more space in front of you, open space where you've got to make decisions and, and try and open up a game. So for me, that's where I'd love to see a genuine fullback, a Will Jordan, if fit, if his head is okay mm. back there opening up a game, um, you know, with a Mark Tillier, a Sean Stevenson. That's where I can see positives with him back there, um, Kempe, yeah. knowing that when he gets a ball with 30 metres in front of him, he's got options. And he can beat any man going one on one. Yeah. That's what you want from a fullback. Yeah, big big body. Yeah, look, I I totally agree. Mm. Big body, good speed, doesn't mind taking the line on. because um, if they do get shut down, because that's what happens, and you know, it's not as if we're we're reinventing the the offense here. Um, when they do come up really quick, you want someone like a Stevenson to say, Well, I'm gonna take it through the line. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to just carry the football because I'll have to do that. And a big body always helps you do that. So it's a really interesting time when you think about it, you know, in the way that this um, all-black structure has found itself um, selecting sides with Fozzie knowing that his his job's basically done. Now, what and what, what he has to come up with to go to the World Cup because it, for him, I think the selections are key for his future. Mm. You know, if, it comes, if he comes away and he doesn't get through the, the quarters... Um, well, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to get, you know, these consultancy jobs and so on. But if he goes and picks players and really throws himself out there, and they get, and they go on and win it, the wheels is oyster again. The the thing about this, say, Kempi, is is uh, Fozzie is is loyal. He's loyal to his players. He's loyal to loyal to the people that have that have uh, done the job for him before. Obviously, that doesn't say anything about the loyalty that's been shown to Fozzie, but he's got nothing to lose. So one thing I'm seeing from this, with him being a loyal servant to his players like Bowden, like Aaron Smith and, and co, that, that Bowden is going to have a position in that team somewhere. So that just says that he's going to be playing fullback, and then Mochumwang is going to be playing 10. So that is probably potentially 90% of the, the team that is going back. And Adam's come through with a great one, Rico at 11, because Rico on the weekend was very good at centre, I feel. His game has gone to another level. And there was that time when he made that break and he passed on the inside back to, to Finlay Christie and they scored. Yeah. The old Rico would have carried that, eh? The old Rico would have had a go and had a crack and backed himself because his distribution has been something he's had to work on. I've seen some involvement in his game that's given me um, yeah, a lot of confidence with Rico going to the World Cup. Mm. Do you think he's, he's, he's a starter for 10, uh, is he? Do you think after Leicester's uh, announcement he goes to the World Cup? I, I, look, if I was picking them, I'd, I'd take him. Yeah, I'd take him. Look, I just think um, Rico and, and Talia, if Rico's playing 11, 
he'll probably get that position. But I think the next best, uh, you have to take Leicester. Look, honestly, Caleb Clark, um, he's been carrying a few niggles, and I just don't think he's taken his opportunity when he's had uh, when he's had game time, and uh, it'll be hard to take him. That's just my opinion, anyway. So, if I think if, Leicester's ahead of Caleb, if fit. If it, do you reckon Fozzie, being Fozzie, you know, we, we know he, he, he likes, uh, we know what he likes because we've seen him do it for so long, that our, mm. <clears throat> our, our back line, if everyone's fit, is going to be Geordie at 12, ALB at 13 and Rico on the wing. He's not going to play Rico at yep. centre. Yeah, I think that's it. I think um, he'll, he'll look at Geordie playing 12. And I know he likes him there. Oh, at the start, I remember talking to Fozzie in Wellington at the airport and he was talking about, nah, he's not a 12. Nah, don't want to see him. He's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But every time he's worn the black jersey, he's made that 12 position his own. Took it to his last year at the end of the tour. There was um, one opportunity, though, on the weekend that, that cost him. If you saw that Brumbies game, just before Artie got held up, he actually drew in two defenders. If he just popped it to Balen Sullivan, they would have scored. Yeah. That's my only question mark, is when you're such a direct player, you lose sight of the opportunities around you. That's my only blink in his armour at the moment is, is whether to run, whether to pass and set up those outside you. Um, but wait, when he's done the worn the black jersey, he's looked very, very solid. So I think he'll be 12, correct, Dog? Yeah. All right, there we go. There's uh, lots of conversation to be had. Your texts are always welcome. Double eight, double three, the Temper Beard Post text machine or 0800 150 But right now it's time for this. Can't wait question of the day. All right, boys, it's been a weekend of goats being goats. Uh, Novak Djokovic has won his 23rd Grand Slam. He's the outright leader in most Grand Slam wins. Amanda Nunez has uh, uh, retired as the uh, greatest female combat athlete of all time On uh, after yesterday's win. Uh, equaled Anderson Silva's record for most successful title defences of UFC history. Uh, we've also seen Pep Guardiola win the treble with Manchester City. It's the second treble he's won. He did it with Barnes and now he's done it with Man City. So lots of goat chat over the weekend for different sports. Here's your can't wait question of the day, though. Who is the goatest of all goats? <laughs> Who is the goatest of all goats? Oh, <laughs> mate. Well, you've just named three of them there. Um, geez, it's, a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Like, boxing is Fury the goat at the moment. You know, you don't know because he can't get the fights that he needs to become the goat. Um, I still, whenever you, whenever this question is raised, I always still think about Kelly Slater at 50, 51, 52, still being on the tour, mm. and how difficult that is. You know, and the amount of and the amount of titles that he's won, like, will never ever be repeated again. I don't think. Well, you always say that, don't you? But then some freak comes out and does it. Um, <laughs> so for me, I still think you know with Kelly. Being on the tour, I still think he's probably in sport. He holds that mantle, goes close to holding the goat mantle across all the sports. Yeah, okay. no one else is doing it. At Fifty. The goatest of all goats is Kelly Slater for Kempe. What about you, Izzy? How much time we got? <laughs> That's a great point. Hold that thought. You can text us double eight double three or call us 0800 We'll get Izzy's next here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Chemist Warehouse June catalog sale ends this week. Find Calvin Klein Euphoria for Men 50ml now only thirty nine ninety nine.
You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, the Temper Bedpost text machine is double eight double three Temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. It is 6.28 and Joe from Gizzy has called through on 0800 Morning, Joe. How you doing? Yeah, morning, gentlemen. Very well this morning. Morning, boys. <laughs> morning, morning, morning Joey. The goatest of all goats, Joey. Who you got? Oh, I think that's a uh, very uh, open discussion, but... Watching uh, Warriors at the weekend, looking at the NRL, the ghost of all ghosts of the NRL has got to be Norm Proven, who won uh, mm. 10 straight premierships with St. George in the 50s and 60s. Um, I think the ghost of all goats on the global scale has to probably be uh, Jordan, introduced uh, from North Carolina into the NBA, won six of six when he went to the finals, created a global brand, went to a secondary sport, came back and won another premiership. So, in my eyes, probably Jordan is the greatest athlete who who created the GOAT talk, uh, which is followed by people like Brady and LeBron and Djokovic and all these people who have created brands around themselves. But someone had to take that first step, and for me it was Jordan. The original GOAT. All those full pockets there, Joey. Yeah, they're pretty heavy this morning. uh, (laughs) Unlike Uncle's tips. So here's a tip for the week, boys. Right, when you need to do the yeah. kicker, holler at me because Uncle's tips yeah. are still running around somewhere down the down, down uh, Awapuni somewhere. All right, we actually and on the multi. I pumped you boys up on Friday. Paid eight dollars fifty. Oh, yeah. good. Get out of here. Okay, you're I'm lo- sick you're, of your photos coming you're through. It, green you've ticks. loaded it for Thursday, mate. So you better get those tips in on Thursday then. Okay. Hey, here's a tip for you. I've got, I've got a dog running today. Race eight at Palmerston North called Go Johnny Go. Do not back him, okay? <laughs> Will not win. He's a railer, drawn outside. Stay off him, Kempi. <laughs> oh, I love oh, it. Absolutely oh, love yeah. it. All right, I've heard that before. Heard that before, Joey. Thanks for your call, brother. Cheers, boys. Have a great day. Yeah, you too, mate. You yeah. too. Uh, we're, that is our can't wait question of the day. The goatest of all goats. Have you managed to distill your thoughts over over the last five or ten minutes, uh, Izzy? Have you, have you got anything for us? Yeah. Is there enough time? Right, okay. <laughs> no. We're going to do that next. I'll quickly. For me, when you when you think of the goats, there's just always one name that comes straight to my mind. And when you look at his stats and his records, it's hard to go past them. I, I, for me, I think it's Tiger Woods. He's won 15 majors, second all-time, 82 PGA Tour wins, tied with Sam Snead. This is probably the one that really stands alone. Woods is the only player to have won all four professional major championships in a row, accomplishing that feat in 2000 and 2001. So he's the only player to do the, the Grand Slam sweep. Um, so, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a question that you could um, say plenty of names, but for me it's, it's, it's Tiger Woods. Yeah, Tiger Woods, okay. Oh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, because, you know, for me, golf's not really a sport. It's more of a hobby, you know. It's kind of not like... <laughs> so what do you got? Have you played <laughs> it? Rick Dog? Have you played it? Hey, I probably I the gonna... most difficult sport ever. I knew I was going to get a bite. You knew I was going to get a bite. Ah, oh, too good. Too good. It is 28 away from seven. We're going to catch up with Araha now for the latest in uh, news from Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand.
Thank you very much, Aroha. Time to get some uh, sports headlines in. Thanks to Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Power your business with Bunnings Trade. And boys, you know that uh, you know that saying that it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, at half time in the uh, Miami Heat Denver Nuggets game on Saturday, yeah. Uh, Conor McGregor was on the court uh, as part of like some halftime entertainment. He was supposed to be promoting some painkilling spray, you know, for athletes. Or you know, if, so if you pull something, you just spray this thing and it stops it hurting, right? Uh, so the Miami Heat mascot comes out. His name's Bernie, uh, and he's got a like a boxer's robe on and boxing gloves on, and like trying to take Conor McGregor on. And Conor, like, it's obviously supposed to happen, right? It's it's, it's all scripted. So Connor hits him with an overhand right. Like he's, hits him? Yeah, like hits, like punches him with an overhand right. But he's got the big bobble head on, right? And he goes down, then hits him again when he's on the ground. And then, like, all these people come in and they start dragging him off. And Connor's got a bottle of the spray and is, like, following him, spraying him, like like doing the promotion for whatever this product is. Uh, yeah, he had to go to the emergency room. Uh, <laughs> get some pain medication. Uh, get caught, checked out for concussion, and uh, and then uh, yeah, got taken home. Apparently he's recovering well, but it like I don't did think. Did you they... see the punch? Did <laughs> yeah, you yeah. see the punch? Like Conor McGregor, yeah. he's obviously didn't realise that it was a soft head. He's he's attacked the guy. Like when he, even when he threw it, and I was watching. I was like, oh, ow, that would have hurt. <laughs> I think pro- Connor's probably mate, that's thought... That's it in a nutshell, mate. <laughs> that's marketing through 101, mate. Like, look, everyone's talking about the spray. They've just sold it. That's it in a nutshell. They've sold it. If it's on the everyone's front page. He's oh, made it. He's done it. He's done it. He's done the job so well. But, yeah, I think... If, I mean, like, I would have thought, too, you got that big... One of those big, you know, sort of heads on as a mascot. That's going to protect you. But, no, apparently it doesn't, nothing protects you from Connor's power. So, mm, I'll tell you what. Uh, it's, it's, it's worth a look. It is worth a look. Uh, elsewhere, particularly UFC, uh, the legend Amanda Nunez has announced her MMA retirement. The Lioness put in a flawless performance to beat Irene Alanda at UFC 289 yesterday before cutting off her gloves and confirming she is done with fighting. The two-division champion equaled Anderson Silva's record for the most title defences and walks away from the sport as the goat of female combat sport. And Australia have won the 2023 World Test Championship by 209 runs after cleaning up India on the final day. Australia becomes the first ever nation to win all six major ICC trophies in the process. So just what we needed. Aussie cricket team. Is there a team that you hate more? Uh, winning uh, the, the, the WTC. There you go, boys. Those are your sports news headlines. Thanks to Trades and Builders. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Just a little extension on that too. I obviously was watching the UFC yesterday, but then it clicked over to the pay-per-view, and I was like, oh, nah, it doesn't really excite me to go pay 40 huck for that. So I didn't end up watching it. But the NCAA... Um, athletics in, uh, over in America came yep. on. And I was reading this morning that Kiwi Maya Ramsden took out the 1,500-metre title over for the athletics, um, obviously following on from Nick Willis and, and co. when they went over there. But <clears throat> great to see another Kiwi athletic uh, runner doing well over yeah. in the United States on their own backyard also, uh, representing Harvard. Yeah, we've got a few coming through at the moment, don't we? I mean, obviously we know about Zoe Hobbs, but uh, we've had a Zoe's few. Zoe's going real good. Had a few runners uh, going well recently, which is good to see. Good to see the Kiwis coming back into that. Uh, our can't wait question of the day has been all about uh, who's the goatest of all goats. And there's one that I'd like to mention that doesn't get talked about a lot, and it's because his career got cut short. 
I think. But I reckon this guy could have been the best just because he did so many different things. And that was Bo Jackson. I don't know if, if, how much you guys know mm. about Bo Jackson, but you know, he was running back for the Raiders and absolutely destroyed everybody. People just could not hold him. He was so strong that his, his actual strength ended up causing his career-ending injury because he got tackled uh, and he was able to power through the tackle so much, he actually split the bone at his hip. Muscle, the muscle oh. split the bone, and that's what ended basically ended his career. But he not only played professional NFL for them, but he also played professional baseball. So he would go yeah. and play for the Kansas City Royals in the baseball season, and then play NFL for the Raiders. Uh, but he was also uh, an NCAA athlete as a basketballer. So he played high school double NCAA basketball <laughs> as well. That dude was a like a real all rounder. Could do everything. Don't you hate those people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People can just do everything. Oh, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Awesome. Love that one. Yeah, cool. mate. He is love an it. absolute legend. Um, uh, love me a bit of Bo Jackson. And you can go and check out some of his highlight reels. Like the one, there was a catch he took, Major League Baseball, where it was it looked like it was going to go over the wall at Kansas City. And he sprinted at the wall from an angle and actually ran three steps up the wall. So he ran straight up a wall and took the catch and then ran back down the wall again. He's an ab- he's an absolute athlete, isn't he? He's doing a- stuff like that. What about what about um, Usain Bolt? Where does he stand? Oh yeah, he's head and shoulders above any other runner, wasn't he, at the time? No one could get near him, is he? Usain Bolt. Oh, man. The worst thing about that is he used to eat chicken nuggets before every race. <laughs> just go out there and eat. Again, I hate those people that just can eat whatever they like, stay skinny, and still carve up. Corey Jane was one of them. Oh, Lord me. Yeah, I, I play, I'd play with a guy called Jeff Doyle. He'd have a pie and, you know, you'd go to the game, you're sitting down, you're like two hours out from the game watching the reserve grade. And mm. a guy called Jeff Doyle, he was the other centre on the other side of me at Newcastle. He'd have a pie and a punnet of chips before a game. Every game, he'd be sitting there. I'll be like, you know, dry reaching, going, mate, I'm just getting ready to play. And he's sitting there, we've got a mince pie and a punnet of chips. Just chaffing away. <laughs> Don't know how he does that. Don't know how he does that. I can't eat before I do anything like that. Oh, that's a shocker. That's a shocker. Keep your text coming through, double eight, double three. The goatest of all goats. We're 20 away from seven, and the goat quizmaster, Izzy, is waiting for you. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Call us now, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. No matter what you ask me, try and play the quiz, things won't get nasty. Get up, stand up, come and throw your hands up. If you got the feeling, get the phone's lights ringing. Came to get paid, we came to get paid. So get on your phones and dial now. Call now, 0800. Call now, 150. Call now, 811. Call now, call now and get paid. Jump around, get up, get out of bed. It's Monday, time to get ready for the big week ahead. Come on, 0800 150 Come on, give it a go. I met Mike from Christchurch actually last week. He's one of our big callers that calls through. And uh, I met him at the barber shop. He listens in every morning. So, Mike, big good morning to you. You must be asleep still, eh? Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, mate. All right, you got no chance. Too many. Too many bonus bets coming your way after I've seen you and met you. I said, mate, you've won it plenty. I'm not giving it to you. But anyway, 
Our callers have called and we'll rip straight into it, eh? Here we go. We're going to head to Huntley with Chief's mana, who limped home over the Reds. Morning. Oh, yeah, morning, Nippy. Oi, when you go what? on TV, what? Bloody hair, you hood rat. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, it's hard when you got too much hair at the moment. But anyway, I'll hear you. I hear you. I, hear you. I just got a haircut too. Man, did it look that scruffy, Brett? You're and have a shave. That was my next question too. I've been talking to Kez. This moustache. I'm beginning the ego build, but fill every day. But then someone comes and rips me straight down, like you have, Brett. Anyway, just rip straight into it, mate. Good luck today. How many different try scorers did the Warriors have? And the 36-14 win over the Raiders. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. All right, Brett. See you later. We'll head to Auckland. Have a chat to Brenton. Morning, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. How are you? Hey. Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. How many try scorers did the Warriors have in their win over the Raiders? Uh, I might have to go a little bit more, maybe five. Five is incorrect. See you later, Brenton. Yes, head to Timmy. Timmy from Christchurch. Morena. Morena. I'll go one more with six. Six is correct. Question number two. Which team is the lowest in the world ranking to qualify for the 2023 Rugby World Cup? Oh, uh, the lowest ranking... um, Oh, can I get a clue? It's cold outside. It's cold outside. Oh, I don't know. Um, Iceland. No. Iceland <laughs> is not on the Rugby rugby World Cup. <laughs> Do they play rugby, Tim? <laughs> Come on. Oh, see you later, brother. Is it the end? He'll surely get it. No, I thought that was really good. What's the clue? <laughs> it's cold outside. <laughs> It's cold outside, oh, it ain't uh, Iceland, so it must be... Finland. Finland. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Get out of Scandinavia. Oh, my. See you later. Finland. No. Oh. <laughs> Mike from Christchurch, who's looking sharp. He's here. How you doing, bud? Who's that? Who's that? I woke up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, bro. Hey, it was good to meet you on Friday, man. Uh, good to put a, a name to a face. Hey, um, question is, though, <laughs> it's this outside this morning. Which team is the lowest in the world ranking to qualify for 2023 World Cup? Um, Rugby. Rugby, Russia? <laughs> it's, it's Russia outside. It's Russia outside, obviously. <laughs> Mike. Mike, Mike. You, you don't need a bonus bet anyway. you got plenty. Anyway, see you later. I heard about your first fall last year. Anyway, have a good day, Mike. Appreciate your call, brother. Good to meet you. Let's head to Nick. How you going, Nick? Yeah, good, bro. All right, Nick. I've got no clue. It's cold it is outside. this outside. It's cold outside. What's another word for cold? And it's a country. Iceland. <laughs> 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 All right. 0800 Do you know what's happened? You know what's happened? 
I don't know what's happened. No, I don't know what's but happened. But anyway, Michael, Michael from Wellington, put me out of my misery, <laughs> please. Chile, Chile, Chile. Chile outside, mate. Chile outside. Wow, there you go. Question number three, Australia are world test champions after beating India by 209 runs at the Oval. Who was the top scorer in the test? Um, oh, Jesus. I uh, can't remember, sorry. You want a clue? Oh, you want a yeah. clue? Clue, please. Yeah. Yes, please. It's, as he's carrying it around on his shoulders, a big fat... <laughs> Bag of money. <laughs> <laughs> after, after the <laughs> oh, Michael. See you later, bud. <laughs> Harry from Dunners. How you going, Hans? Good mate, good. <laughs> Who scored the most <laughs> runs? <Not the> question. <laughs> Who scored the most runs in after beating India? Who was the top scorer in that test? I've got one on uh, the top Travis of my shoulders. Head. Uh, uh, Travis Head, yep, there you go. <laughs> question number four. Leeds United were relegated from the EPL this season but hasn't put off a new ownership group by the club. Which NFL team is the group linked to? Uh, Houston Texans? No. Sorry, Hez. Have a good day, mate. Jimmy! Yeah, boy, what's happening? Good, good, good. Which NFL team is about to take over Leeds United? San Francisco. Golden Gate. <laughs> the Sixers. Six, the 69 <laughs> Get your head out of the gutter, son. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. You, we're done. We're done with you this morning. Monday Itis has got you. Tomorrow we'll be back. 100 bucks up for grabs. Let's hit away love racing coming up. Pack from Chemist Warehouse, now only $17.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. It's three minutes away from 7 o'clock. 0800 150 find a thoroughbred race day at events.loveracing.nz. And apprentice jockey Woodamu Pin displayed a supreme talent at Sandown on Saturday, notching his first Metropolitan win in Australia before going on to post a treble, Izzy. He didn't even send that through to us. Young Pinny teamed up with the red hot uh, Maha and Eustace stable to record his first Saturday win in Australia with extra two before wins aboard Frigid and Deep Strike made it a day to remember. On a three-month stint with Cranbourne trainer Michael Kent on the back of a strong form uh, here in New Zealand, Pins' performance to score in favour extra two in the second race at Soundown, draw praise from punters and prompted some encouraging words from his co-trainer Dave Eustace. He's a good young lad at the right way and he seems a very relaxed sort of character. We see him... A bit in the mornings where he helps us out, and I'm sure if he keeps his head down, he'll go far. And that last bit there from Eustace about keeping your head down mm. and going far, he's a good young kid, Whittemu. I spoke to him last week. I said to him, send us through some tips, um, and he forgot to send those through. But he's uh, he's had a week in a, um, to boot with those, that treble riding for Eustace. So well done to young Willie. And, of course, champion jockey James McDonald is aiming to better his return this year when he heads up to Royal Ascot Carnival. Uh, he rode three winners last year with Nation Strip's victory in the Kingstand Stakes, his highlight. But this year he's got 10 rides across the, uh, the June 20, June 24. So uh, all the best to James McDonald up there. That's our Love Racing update. Grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Nice work, Kempe. That is your Love Racing update. Up 
in the next hour. We've got uh, Kempi back with another off-the-back fence. We'll catch up with Adam Summerton, BT Sport commentator as well, about Manchester City winning the treble. But up next, Dan Bowden's going to join us. And we're going to wrap the Super Rugby quarterfinals and have a look towards those semi-finals as well. All that and more to come on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast here on SENZ. Time now for the latest in news with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Yes, good morning, Izzy. Kempi for breakfast, SENZ. We've got Rick Dog in the house. We've got Kez running the kitchen hot. And Aroha keeping us up to date with the news here and abroad. We appreciate you tuning in. And, wow, well, just going to wind the clock back a wee bit to that quiz. It was so much fun. I, I thank you all for calling through and making the quiz what it is. We'll be back tomorrow. To, for a $100 bonus bet for you to hopefully win. It was a tough quiz. It was a couple of doozy clues there. And um, <laughs> forgive me if I was laughing uncontrollably, but it was so funny. And I can understand why you said Russia, because it is very cold in Russia. It is so cold in Iceland, but we're looking for that word, that country that kind of resembles how chilly it is outside. <laughs> so Should have gone with the red hot peppers, maybe, as our clue. <laughs> Made it more obvious. Yeah. The best one was the San Francisco one, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Six, 69ers. <laughs> oh, imagine if that was the name. Imagine if that was the team name. Anyway, I oh, appreciate all the calls and uh, everyone coming through on the text machine. Tim, that was one of the worst quizzy dags ever. Brilliant. <laughs> from Christchurch. Oh, you've, you've brought the lulls this morning, but now it's time to be a bit serious and we're going to chat, catch up with my uh, former teammate, Don the Jersey down with, in Otago with, with the Hollanders for our first run with them. And DB, Dan Bowden was our 10 in the, at that time and did a fantastic job. And I haven't caught up for a wee while. He's been here, he's been abroad. He's been over in Japan, he's been doing it all, but one thing I do love about DB is he's got a good, solid opinion when it comes to Twitter and everything sport, particularly with rugby. So we're going to have a catch up with Dan Bowden now and talk the weekend's action quarterfinals as we head into the Super Rugby semifinals this weekend. DB, good morning to you, brother. Good morning, mate. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I appreciate you coming on and, and having a chat about the weekend. Just quickly, mate, what, what are you up to? You still over in Toshiba? Ah oh, yes, mate. But actually, back on holiday now, so I'm just back at home for for a couple of months, um, which is good. It's been some family time, but yeah, back up to Toshiba, um, where we've been basically raiding New Zealand rugby with stars and and, and taking them back <laughs> up with us. Oh, on that, man. I had Sita Tamani Valu at my house on the weekend. Yeah. It was great to catch up with him, and obviously, he's a big part of your backline. But his inclusion with the one and only Richie Moonga does that excite you? Yes, mate. That's um, it's 
part and parcel of the reason he was down here, actually. He was trying to get you out of retirement, he reckon. Uh, we didn't have a tight head prop, so he asked. Me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But on a serious note, mate, on a serious note, we, um, no, look, he's uh, a world class athlete. He played for the Barbarians recently and scored a couple of tries. And, uh, mate, those boys have gone strong to strength in the last few years. And obviously, picking up someone like Ricky. It's a big ticket for the for the program, and I think most people see this like Barry Bowden Barrett and a few others are going to head up there, and it's going to be um, uh, who's who of world stars at the moment. I kind of forgot how cheeky you are, eh? I kind of <laughs> forgot how cheeky you are. That all makes sense. I absolutely, <laughs> I love it. I love it, my friend. Hey, um, mate, let's let's talk the weekend. Obviously, you want to cast drive the weekend's action. What surprised you? What stood out for you? What's the obvious? Um, oh, two things I thought. Firstly, the Crusaders game, I thought um, them having to deal with so many injuries, mate, that's going to be an ongoing concern. I, I can't recall a side mm. that's lost so many players, so many frontline players in the last you know, three or four years. I, I think I counted, it's probably up to eight, nine, ten players now that might be unavailable, which is incredible. Um, mm. And then I thought in the Reds Chiefs uh, game, I thought, geez, the Reds put them under pressure. And maybe... I know they beat them last time and that mental hoodoo was coming back, but they dug deep the Chiefs and in the end obviously um, got over the line, but probably gave a blueprint to some other teams about how to upset their momentum. Yeah. Hey, Dan, thanks for, thanks for joining uh, Izzy and Kempe this morning. Hey, just with the, the, the conversation around the Crusaders, like post-game, then it was announced that they're playing the Blues down there. What is it What is it about the Blues coming down to the Crusaders? The players were biting at the bit to uh, to get to this game on the weekend. Um, it's just a – is it because it's Auckland or is it just – is there some other rivalry that we don't really understand? Oh, a bit of both. I've played for both against each other today. I think it's, um, they just don't like each other. You can try and dress it up as much as you want, but it's just two battles of different types of cultures, I imagine. Um, like, you know, you've still got that old historical rival from, from many years ago. And then, you know, players like to be competitive and then a lot of them share time together in the All Blacks, but they like to get one over each other. They're a little bit different in styles of game they play. And I think it's, it's good to see we haven't had that sort of... This type of rivalry for a little way, but bubbling along underneath there's a few probably, you know, um, subplots with personal battles with people getting picked for the All Blacks. You've got guys who um, have had injuries or suspension and missed time and opportunities to play against each other. So, look, it's really good to see. I was really, I really like it. We don't get that much honesty from someone like Scott Barrett or Dalton Popoli saying that they're that keen to play each other, which is great for the fan. I talked to uh, Steve Devine a bit, Dan, uh, did, did a Blues show with him for a while, and yep. you know he said every time he went to Christchurch, just got absolute dogs abuse from the fans, not 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 just <laughs> in the stadium but around town. And he said, I so say he uh, he started doing this thing there. He'd walk into like you'd be at the hotel, you walk into the lift, and he'd just shake everybody's hand. And then as he's shaking their hand, he'd turn it so their hand was facing up, and people were like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm oh, just counting how many fingers you got," you know. And like you just start giving it back. Uh, uh, I mean, how was it for you when you you, you know you moved from the Blues to go play for the Crusaders. How much stick did you get, and 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 what was it like being on the other side? Oh, not a huge amount, mate. That's probably more a reflection on Stevie Devine. <laughs> 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 yeah, but in, in, uh, in fairness, it's not uh, it's not like that. I think once you're into the the program, like once you're in, that they welcome you either way massively. It's just um, you obviously get a bit of banter for, for representing the other side, and you know you finally see the light, mm. etc. But um, 
mate, it's just uh, traditionally, obviously, those teams that have had a lot of success and there is just that underlying, you know, animosity or desire to get one over them, which I think is great. It would have been amazing if it was the final, but the semi-final itself is still going to give us a bit of a spectacle. But I didn't cop too much, mate, to be honest. Um, uh, the boys are really good. They're really welcoming. I think there's a lot of guys in both teams who um, have that senior statesman respect for each other, so they'll just get on with business. I'll tell you what, you wouldn't have been wearing is those diamond earrings you used to roll around in Dunedin <laughs> back in the day, mate. So <laughs> you wouldn't have had those walking around Christchurch. Oh, let's, let's keep that oh. on the better. <laughs> hey, um, mate, just on the blues. Uh, look, it's been a, well, it's been a mixed year for, for them. But on the weekend, I, I think they played their complete, they put out their complete performance out there. Are you confident and happy with the way that they played on the weekend, that's enough to come to Christchurch and get the job done? Uh, that's a really good question, man. I, I think they really needed that game on the weekend, and yes, they played better. Um, I went to the Highlanders game uh, the week before, and it was probably one of the worst Super Rugby games I've seen in a long time. So they had to move on from that yeah. pretty quickly. Uh, but honestly, I mean, I sat with a whole bunch of other you know, former players and whatnot, and it was really, really atrocious. The, the school level, the amount of reset scrums, whatnot, it wasn't a great advertisement for the game. And then a week later, they obviously got some quality set-piece ball, and the line-out hasn't been mm. functioning all that well. And when they did, they finally managed to make a few line breaks. Uh, it's been the biggest criticism up here for the, the Blues, just around their stuttering attack. You know, you've got some world-class athletes, but they haven't been getting the ball in space. And manipulation of defenders hasn't been great. Um, I think, obviously, the Tars, you can't just sit up there and not flash. And yes, the Blues did run away with it towards the end. Mm. Uh, but it was good mm. to see continuing form with some of those players. I think Mark Tillian's obviously had a wonderful season. It was good to see Rico Ioane have some ball in space. Um, I thought mm. Finn Christie, again, was a standout. But to be honest, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be the battle of two different styles. I think the Crusaders are still going to go to that set piece that, that obviously dominated Moana, uh, sorry, uh, the draw against on the weekend and then the Blues look better from turnover and counter-attack, which is, you know, the DNA for both sides. But I'm just worried that the Crusaders in that matchup, I'm just worried how many players are going to be available. They, they seem to have struck so many injuries. It's going to be a good game. Played Friday night. Crusaders Blues are Crusaders a dollar fifty five. Dan, the Blues are two dollars fifty. Mate, you touched on it with the with the Chiefs. Um, just say it goes the way you know. Crusaders they they get to this time of year. That's why they they're champions and they get through. Yep. What did you see in that game um, against the Reds? That probably they can take it uh, if they do come up and play the Chiefs. They can take into it. I just think, well, the Reds obviously stifled a lot of their attacks. You know, I think it was 92 kicks in the game. So if you mm. continually kick the ball back and make them kick it back to you, then you're loading sort of counter-attack and you're not allowing the Chiefs to go to a set-piece launch and really execute one of their line-out attacks or maps, as they call them. And the way that the Reds defend that, obviously, they put a few numbers in the tackle each time, which slowed the momentum and the ball down for the Chiefs, which meant that Damian McKenzie couldn't go to the line with this particular shape that they play and he drops runners underneath and then they have lead runners and it just takes away time and space and I thought the Reds did that very well so obviously the first thing was they keep kicking the ball back to them making them not start from a line out and as I say secondly they, they put numbers in the tackle which slowed the ball down they gave them space in so they could come forward off the line and but I think those who watch that now they think okay there's a little bit in there so that we can shut down and McKenzie down then it's very difficult um, and it took a long time for the Chiefs to get the ball to Sean Stevenson and Monty Zanella until the second half. 
On the, the question on those tens, you, you read off Damien McKenzie. You obviously, yep. you know, been watching um, Bowden Barrett and, and Richie Maunga. So going forward, you've been a ten yourself. Who is leading the 10 battle at the moment? If we're looking ahead to the future, obviously Richie is probably leading that run. I want to hear your thoughts on that. But where does Damien and Bowden fit into this formula? Oh, mate, it's such a good question. To be honest, like, they have to decide and they have to basically play one of them. Um, If we're talking like World Cup and and moving forward, they have to Mm. choose who's playing. And they have to choose that Baz is going to be in the 23. I don't think he's going to be playing fullback. So then, is it just unlucky on Damien McKenzie? Damien McKenzie's super rugby form has been outstanding. No one can argue that. Mm. But when it comes mm. to driver's seat for the All Blacks, are they actually going to give him the keys? I'm not sure. I still think they'll go with Richard. Um, and then Bodie Barrett will either have to be you know, in Jersey 22 and coming off the bench like he was for a long part of his career, as you know. And then... Mm. And start a genuine fullback. If they play him at fullback, then you know there goes Paul Jordan doesn't get to play fullback. So I don't know, but I just think they have to choose one. And we can't forget the Bowden Barrett's world class and having someone like that mm. to, to back up is great. But I think Damien McKenzie's been outstanding since he's come back from Santori. But the fact is, how many games has he really started at ten for the All Blacks, and will they do that in the World Cup year? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And being a being a ten, Dan, what like. How important, we've got a conversation going first thing this morning about Mark Talia and Sean Stevenson. How important yep. is it to have a 10 um, that actually understands that you've got a bit of firepower out there? And, and when you're watching those two play, do you think there are certainties to make the All Black team? I don't. I, I'd say Mark Talia is a certainty. Yeah, the first part of the question, yes, it's good to see you and have a 10 that obviously can get the ball to the edge, whether it's those kick-pass plays or just understanding that there is threat on the edge and that mentally you want to shift it there quickly. Um, second part, I think Mark Talia is nailed on. I'd, I'd have him starting on the right wing. Sean, mm. I would love to say he's going to make it. I think he's had a wonderful year, plays multiple positions, can't play wing and fullback. There is just a formula in terms of how many outside backs they're going to take. I, I'm really unsure because if they squeeze Damian McKenzie or someone like that into the outside backs, um, you know, we're going to have to take one less specialist winner. So, I hope Lister find the looking base at Mark Talia. That would personally be my starting wingers. Um, you know, where are they going to play Geordie? Do they play 12 and what knock-on effect does that have? Mm. I, I hope Sean makes it. I really do because I think his form has been sensational. I think they should cap him in these first two games or three games before the World Cup and then see how he handles it. Um, but I couldn't say that I'm, 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 I need to put my house on and make the World Cup side at the moment. It's a hard one when you know you got Anton, Geordie, Rico, oh, Jack Goodhue, Braden Enor, you know, and that left wing. Could you see a, a day where Rico's playing 11? Yeah, I think you possibly could in the World Cup. As I reckon if you take one midfielder, mm. one more midfielder, then you take one less winger. I think the person who's, in all honesty, probably most at risk is Caleb Clark. I don't think he's at the heights of his previous years. Um, and the way Lester's had obviously advanced on the season, you know, uh, try scoring, carrying the ball, you need some physical presence. The other one is a more, you know, speed and evasion. He's still that power type winner that you need in the balance of the back three. So, you know, I can see someone notable is clearly going to miss out. Um, and do they even potentially, I think a lot of World Cups, and you might be able to correct us, but they don't have taken four, I think it's only four midfielders that go. So maybe Rico mm. gets classed as a wing and a centre. Maybe someone like Jack misses out or Braden Hino misses out. And it depends if mm. David Harvey comes back in time. 
Dan, um, mate, it's great having you on, great having you back from Japan. Uh, just, I mean, obviously you're getting paid the big bucks up there now because that's what, you know, they, they, they sort of, they want the best of the best up there. I mean, how much of a, uh, a factor in Richie Mawanga going to Toshiba was the fact that he got to work with you? Oh, mate, I'm going to get it to tell everyone it was all the reason. <laughs> but I don't know, I don't know, mate. I think it's, uh, we've got a lot of ex-Persona um, players in our group, um, we had Matt Todd, obviously he's just pulled funds and he's landed a coaching gig with the Chris Adams. We had Tom Taylor, we had Jack Stratton. We've had a lot of boys set there himself, um, Todd Blackadder. So I think that sort of link was probably more so, mate, than me. Um, but it was it would be great to work with him. Obviously he came up and he did a bit of like a presentation and a tour and, and whatnot. So look, he's clearly class. Everyone's looking forward to having him. But as I say, mate, the competition's growing massively. You're going to have probably... Well, at least six of the, of the world's best top ten players, if you exclude some of the French and European blokes, are all going to be in this competition. So it's getting much stronger. What is Dan Baldwin going to do for Richie Moonga? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, <laughs> make sure that our scrum and line out's good. At least that he touches the ball. <laughs> no, mate, we've got a few things set up for him, mate. But we've also got a compulsory rule that uh, no one in the coaching staff ever has to buy coffee for the rest of the year when you're on the money he's on. <laughs> oh, I know, mate. Oh, it's disgusting if the numbers are true from what I'm hearing. But anyway, he it's deserves it. And if can't allow Dan. Mate, we know the coaching staff don't go over there for free too, mate. Hey, Dan, appreciate you coming on, mate. Just quickly, you still rolling around in that Beamer, the silver one? <laughs> no, mate, I've got a family wagon these days, you know. <laughs> it would go with the no diamond earrings, wouldn't it, the Beamer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, boys, I could tell you some stories about the house in Izzy looked in. It looked like a, street, oh, a Castle Street flat. It was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough for you. We don't want any more stories <laughs> throwing me under the bus, mate. Appreciate you coming on, DB. You're a champion, Any and uh, all the best. With the future, man, appreciate your analysis on the game. Thanks very much. Cheers, boys. Take it easy. Uh, good stuff. Uh, Dan Bowden there with us on SENZ. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Not too far away now from Kempi. stretching the hamstrings. Stretching the hamstrings. getting ready. He's getting ready, mate. I'll tell you what, he's steaming. The steam coming out the nose. Off the back fence. This next right here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. with Tony Kemp. Truly, how good is the rugby league in the NRL going at the moment? As I watched all the games this weekend, I thought it was amazing to see grounds completely packed out with cheering fans. I found myself imagining how much fun it must have been to actually be at these adrenaline-pumping games, really watching it live. But most importantly, let's not forget Friday night when the Warriors absolutely showed up full force and dismantled the Canberra Raiders. In doing so, they didn't rain on Jared Croker's 300th game. It was more like a hurricane. The Warriors, well, they're in full spirit right now. And from kickoff, they continually drove Canberra away from their try line. And I think that their second half performance was simply outstanding. And that's when it got me thinking. Seriously, is 2023 the Warriors' year? Are they serious and genuine contenders for this Don't year's title? Me. Keep quiet. Because I reckon <laughs> if they can continue 
this form consistently on their run home, and this is what I started thinking on Friday night, Izzy, I believe that they can cement their place in the top four. And of course, you know what that means. If they're in the top four, then they are a genuine title contender hope. It's all about the consistency. Remain on this current path and build towards the finals. And that's right, the Warriors are a good chance of bringing the trophy to Aotearoa. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Oh, Tony, I've been waiting all morning for you to bring this up. Oh, look, I'll, I'll say it. There was two games on that night, and I'm straight watching the Warriors. The Warriors. Oh, man, oh, there's so much excitement. And one of my mates, my best mate, Sam McGregor up in the Hawks Bay, he's a Warriors day one, diehard fan. He he couldn't be. He's messaged me constantly. Are you on the train? Are you on the train? I said, man, I'm on the train. Of course I'm on the train. The one thing, reason why I'm on the train, you just can't look past that first 20 minutes in that game. They're under the pump. Absolutely Massive. under the pump for 20 minutes. Jack Wyden gets a, a fortunate try. And uh, obviously, Grubbers through, comes off a player, Pompey, and then he scores that try. 6-0 six, six after 20 minutes. I'll take that. I'll take that with how much pressure they're on. And then to score before half time with 12 men on the park and probably the best finish I've seen from a winger for a very, very long time with Dylan Watanis Lesniak. And how good is he playing at the moment? And knowing the reinforcements that are coming back. Timari Martin, you know, you got Chaz Tavanga. You got players that can are going to struggle to get into that team at the moment with how well they are playing. I, I, as fans, we get super excited. <laughs> we don't want to say it, and you've said it. Um, look, I, I, I think this is a different team. This is a different team for what they're doing defensively. Attack, man. We know the Warriors can attack. They are got threats around the park. But when you look at the defence, to hold a team to eight points, or whatever it was, that's where I get a lot of confidence from. And they were sitting above, and they were sitting above Cam- Canberra was sitting above the Warriors too. Like, second def- best defensive tight team in the competition currently behind Penrith. Um, mm. Defence wins competitions. Like, that's, that's when I'm watching the first 40 minutes of the game and going, actually, man, these guys have a chance. Text come through already from Chris, double eight, double three. Don't do this to me, Kempe. That's dangerous talk. <laughs> well, you know, I was... well, how good is it, eh? Oh. We're chat- like the- our last year, Kempe. We're all asking last questions. Three, what's last three years, wrong? last what's four happening? years. What's, you know, like we, we, I, I actually come on the show and it actually made me sad that we're having to talk about the other sides to the Warriors, what's going on. And I'm so happy because... We're talking about the positives. You know, our great Warriors team that are just making us so proud. And I'm absolutely loving it. So good. Yeah, <sighs> absolutely loving it. Just like Mick D's, eh, is he? Absolutely loving it. There we go. Uh, Mark is texting <laughs> through as well. Stuff, mate. What about young Ali? Yeah, he went pretty well. He went, and we've got Slade Griffin coming on after eight. He'll tell us more about Ali. Yeah, that's right. So we, uh, we decided to go to Slade Griffin because we wanted to check out the depth. The depth, the, the, the one name you left out of that, Dills Walker isn't back yet. You know what I mean? Oh, that, oh, and RTS. That, yeah, and he's that, got two weeks left at the Blues and, and he'll be back. You know, the side, <laughs> when you're looking at it, is starting to resemble a... Uh, a very, very good side. And when those stats stack up, you know, 
number one in completion rates, number two in defence uh, for the season. You've still got half a dozen players out that need to come back. You're starting to fight f- for your life in that team to hold your position. Um, like, what do you do with Luke Metcalf mm. when Tamari Martin comes back? You know, he, that try he scored, that is such a tough line to run directly under the post off a ball from Sean Johnson. Like, you're, you're, gonna, you're either going to make that hole or you're going to get a hiding. You know, that kid can play. So, um, yeah, it's just those all those little things, you know, that we haven't seen for so long there at the club. Mate, they need they need, they need the accolade of they're going so well at the moment. Uh, going very well. It is uh, 28 away from 8 here on SCNZ. Keep your text coming through, double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven as well. Time to get away to news with Aroha now. Thanks to Kubota, we are building and shaping New Zealand. Find Calvin Klein Euphoria for men, 50 mil, now only thirty nine ninety nine. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ. It's a quarter to eight on SENZ. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. And joining us out of the UK is BT Sport commentator Adam Summerton. Uh, morning, Adam. You just about just about recovered from that Champions League final and, <laughs> and, and that weekend of football, that week of football? Morning, all. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. Uh, it's rather wiped me out, and I just woke up after about a three-hour during-the-day sleep. So I've got... <laughs> I've been out to Prague as well, and the whole week's kind of caught with me a bit. But uh, yeah, it was it's it's been great. Um, the, the final for for West Ham in Prague was quite an occasion to be at. It was such a shame that more supporters couldn't be there. I think it was only in the end about seventeen, eighteen thousand because of the size of the stadium. But it, and a fantastic achievement from West Ham, a club that who hadn't won a trophy or a major trophy since nineteen eighty, and then of course City complete the travel only the second English club to do that and. They win their first Champions League title. It's been a long time coming. It wasn't the greatest of games, but you know they've got the job done. And I thought it was a an underrated in terms of its quality finish from from Rodri to win the, to win the game. Yeah, it was a fantastic finish, all right? That side foot from outside the box, but it absolutely rocketed. Uh, you you cover a lot of the Serie A. You're you're always on Serie A games for BT Sport right throughout the season, so you're probably a better place than most to comment on Inter Milan, uh, or Internacional, as they like to be called. Uh, what did you make of them in the final, and how much faith did you have that they might be able to cause an upset in this final going into it? I had quite a bit, to be honest. I felt a bit silly during the week, because everybody I spoke to seemed to think I was crazy when I said I thought that Inter would cause... Manchester City problems and what I meant by that was that I thought that they would give them puzzles to solve I didn't necessarily think that there was any chance of Inter going there and you know beating City 2 or 3 nil, as, as maybe a lot of people thought might be the opposite outcome but I did feel having watched them particularly in cup competitions where their record is absolutely exceptional they've won both cup competitions in Italy this season uh, the Supercoppa and the Coppa Italia I, I did think that they had the capability to, 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 to as I say give Pep Guardiola things to think about and make life difficult for them. And I have to say, I think that's what they did do, really. And they were very, very unlucky not to equalise at the end. I mean, they had enough chances, if you think about it, to win it. Um, I think they hit the woodwork twice. They had the one that got cleared off the line as well. Um, they're a side who are able to play in different ways, which is a thing that I really admire about Inter under Inzaghi. If you think about the, the first leg of the semi-final against Milan, very different opposition. They took the game to them, scored very early on. Might have had the tie settled within the first half an hour, really, the way that that 
that tie started. Yet in this game, they played it very differently. You know, some people would say it was defensive, but I think there's a big difference between being defensive and defending well. Uh, and I think that's what we saw for the large part from Inter last night. So I think they can emerge from it, particularly when you look at the season as a whole, from um, in cup competitions with a lot of credit. In the league, it wasn't good enough. I think they lost 12 times. They should be, when you look at their squad, one, they, well, even, even now I would still argue that they have the best squad on paper in Italy. But, of course, Napoli have won the title by a mile. I do not want to put a downer on, on what Manchester City have been able to do, but uh, Rick Dogg's uh, forcing me to. I'll look like the bad guy here. But <laughs> Manchester City, with what's going on in the background, obviously the charges against them and everything like that. What is this... Uh, a statement from them going forward. Is this going to come back and and, and maybe put a a blink in the road on, on their journey? Is there anything going to come out of this in a couple of years' time when, when they come back to this? Or is that a stake in the ground to say, nah, let's move forward? Well, I think that obviously supporters of rival clubs will always point mm. to the charges that still hang over the club, charges that they've defended mm. the, themselves against rigorously and vigorously. Um, so that, you know, we're still yet to get to the end of that particular story. That there is no doubt about that. Um, but it, it's it's very difficult, really, to be honest, to comment because the, the, these issues are, are unresolved or undecided in terms of the, the Premier League um, issues. Anyway, with those charges, we haven't got to the, a conclusion from that. And I have to say to you that I don't think we'll get to a conclusion to that for a very long time. And this is something that will drag on and on and on through the courts because City, as I said, they're determined to defend themselves in the courts and they insist that they've done nothing wrong and they are in a position where they're able to employ very good legal counsel who will continue to fight that. So I can only really judge personally on what I see on the pitch. And I have to say that, yes, this is a club that has spent an enormous amount of money. There's no getting away from that. But that that isn't, isn't unusual. I mean, you look at... I mean, you look at, for example, how much Manchester United have spent in in the same sort of time frame, and they've not got anywhere near the heights that this Manchester City side. I mean, Everton have spent, I think Everton spent some like half a billion pounds and, and, and nearly got relegated twice. So there's having money and there's, there's spending it well and, and there's having money and spending it badly. And I, and I think that whatever team you support, whatever colour of your team, I think it's undeniable Whilst, yes, Manchester City have had a ridiculous amount of money to spend, they're basically owned by a nation state. That money has been invested well, and the structure of the club is very hard to question in terms of, you know, they've got it right behind the scenes to get it right on the pitch, if that makes sense. Adam, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the, you mentioned it at the top, there are only two teams out of England that have won the treble, United in 99 and now the City team. And there's a lot of back and forth about which is the better team because people like to do that. Uh, you know, arguments from one side will just say how, you know, Man City's record this season is better than United's was, say, in the league. They won more games, etc. Uh, others will say, well, United had homegrown players. They did it with academy players, etc. as well. So there's arguments both ways. Where do you sit on it? Yeah, I'm always a little bit uncomfortable trying to compare teams from different eras because I think it's so hard to do that because football changes, stylistically it changes as, as time goes on. 
Um, I mean, I had a conversation actually with an ex-player player who played in the 90s the other day, uh, Don Hutchison and Robbie Savage I was working with as well. And they were saying, look, we don't buy it that players are miles fitter these days, that we felt that we were that we really fit back then as well. So there's all sorts of you know, these conversations about well, well, what would happen if the class of 99, that that team played this team. And it's very, very hard. I think what I would say about the Manchester United side of 99 is, I think the fact that there were all those homegrown players makes it really, really special. I mean, I'm not a Man United fan. You know that, Ricardo. You are, I know. But that would make that an incredibly... Well, it is. I mean, it's no denying it. It's an absolutely incredibly special achievement to do that with so many players who came through the club's youth system. So I think whilst I would never directly compare the sides because I just don't really see that it's a valid comparison... I think in terms of what it would mean to me as a, as a football supporter, first and foremost, the romanticism of having that team with so many of them were homegrown, that, that counts for a lot for me. I don't take anything away from this Manchester City side that Guardiola has put together a team that plays incredible football. They are very difficult to beat. And, and in some ways, Erling Haaland has been, I know he didn't score last night, but you could say in many ways, Perhaps he has been that that final missing piece in a, in a what is a a wonderful jigsaw. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Twenty-two-year-old Erling Haaland uh, scored fifty-two goals across all competitions, mate. He is probably the name that rings across many mouths around the globe. What can we expect from him uh, going for? Like Ashley Cole, I think, come out and said second-year Blues potentially for Erling Haaland. You can't see that happening. He is on another level at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'd be surprised if that were the case. I mean, whether he'll hit the absolute same heights that he has done this season, which are on a level that really we've really, rarely, if ever, seen in the English game. I mean, you're talking going back to names like Dixie Dean and people like this, you know, from way back when. I mean, I know Clive Allenson, when I worked with quite a bit, scored all those goals one season as well. But if you take it across all competitions... Uh, his record is quite remarkable. Uh, and he is, he can have games where he doesn't really do a great deal or it doesn't look like he's doing a great deal. And then he'll, he'll pop up and score two or three goals. And you're like, where did that come from? And he's somebody who's very economical in terms of the number of chances he requires to score goals. Um, and I, I just think it's not really for me looking at it. I disagree really with Ashley Cole, to be honest. That, and I haven't heard what he said. So, I, But what... If, if he's saying that he thinks that he might get found out in his second season, I, I don't know whether that's what he said, but if he had that, I wouldn't agree with that because I just think that he's proven beyond doubt, I think, this season that he's, and before at Dortmund, that he is the absolute real deal. Cleanse, brighten and hydrate your skin with Revolution Man Skin Care from Chemist Warehouse, starting from 11.69. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Coming up 8 o'clock, good to have Adam Summerton on. Uh, just run out of time for him, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, it was a good, uh, good chat. Uh, boys coming up uh, just after 8 o'clock, though. Uh, really interested to hear from Slade Griffin, who, of course, coaches the New South Wales Cup team for the Warriors, producing some of that talent that is, uh, we, we're starting to see come through, Kempi. Yeah, we'd be good to chat to him. He's got a couple of players, too. Um, Valiami Valia came back on the weekend, too, against Canberra. So uh, we'll ask him about that. And, of course, Ronald Volkman being uh, looked at being shopped around elsewhere.
Oh, really? Interesting. Okay, we'll talk to Slade Griffin about that. We'll hear from Paulie Mawadi from the TAB. Get more of your calls and texts as well. Keep them rolling in. Can't wait. Question of the day. The goatest of all goats. Who is it? Time to catch up with Araha for the latest in news and sport now. Here she is. Thanks to Kubota, we're building and shaping New Zealand. Izzy Kempi for breakfast SENZ just after 8 o'clock on a Monday morning, the 12th of June. Hope you're having a good June so far. It's cold, it's freezing everywhere, but that's okay. We'll hopefully keep you warm and updated throughout the next hour. We're going to be talking league, and there's been plenty of messages coming in regards to the league, Kempi, and we'll get to those shortly, but right now we've got to continue on chatting about the great game. The Warriors, they're in hot form. Who we got, Kempe? Yes, we're talking to Slade Griffin. He's the uh, New South Wales Cup coach. He's played with Melbourne, won a premiership in 2017, as well as my Newcastle Knights. So first all, um, Slade running around down in a camp down in the South Island um, as a centre and ended up playing hooker uh, with a storm there, getting that title. But he's now the coach and uh, be good to... Talk to him about uh, the development of the Warriors, especially in their second grade. Uh, Slade, good morning, mate. How are you this morning? I'm good, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. Mate, um, geez, I guess the first question we've got to ask, because we asked it plenty of times last week, Slade, was around Ali Lautawa and uh, the young boy coming through your team, New South Wales. He didn't look out of place against Canberra on the weekend. He can play, can't he? Yeah, no, he's um, he's a special kid, mate. Um, obviously talented, as you're seeing yesterday, but um, a really good, really good kid, really good uh, character. He's worked really hard over the last um, kind of since I've been here four years, um, watching him come through SG Ball, and then last year he came over to Redcliffe to play under 21s, um, certainly so his family. Uh, but he hasn't had any excuses, mate. He's a hard worker, and um, yeah, he showed kind of. Not just his talent, you say, but how good he, how good he is defensively, and um, that's why that's why we picked him in such a big game to debut. Like he really trusted him over, you know, seeing him work really hard over preseason, um, building good habits, and then you know to pick him against someone playing their 300th game to debut um, <laughs> tells you the the coach has got confidence in you. Yeah, we saw glimpses, Slade. It's Izzy here, mate. Appreciate appreciate you coming on the show. Just just glimpses. We saw a little bit, you know, with attack. He didn't probably get the breaks that uh, we were hoping for. But what's been the most impressive thing from uh, Ali that you've seen in the New South Wales Cup that we could potentially see if he gets that uh, centre role going forward? Yeah, well, first of all, he's actually probably one of our best defensive outside backs. Um, some of his, his reads and his movements out there. So he's trustworthy there, but um, he can play both sides. Maybe he can fend with both arms. I don't know if you've seen him kind of look to offload yesterday, but then still be able to pull the back in, uh, pull the ball back in. Like he's got monster hands, and he can, you know, beat a centre on the outside and do that little foot pass. So he's got that old school centre craft that you don't see as much these days. But um, he's got a really good just yardage carry to get our sets going as well. He's worked really hard on on just all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, he's 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 a talented kid. He's been yeah doing really well in our competition. So good to see him uh, kind of show that off in the top grade as well. 
And you know that, Slade, when you when you can defend at that level uh, up against a, a, a veteran at 300 games, uh, you're gonna you're gonna have a long career in first grade. There was one instance, Slade, where that loose ball fell on the ground and he picked it up and he took off. Um, and I thought, man, he's actually got real good explo- explosive speed as well off the mark. Mate, he, he just doesn't play centre, has he? Because he's played a bit of 5'8 for you as well, hasn't he, in New South Wales? <laughs> no, nah, he has. Yeah, it's a tough one. He has played central, yeah. We actually, we were really short um, last week. So we threw him into 5'8 and that was a really good challenge for him. He actually, he threw an intercept first first kind of touch of the game and he just bounced back and ended up scoring two tries and was our best player. So just kind of shows he's, um, he doesn't get shy from the occasion and um, yeah, he's, he has played centre wing. He played fullback in SG Ball, so he's got he does have that little bit of ball playing and skill about him. But I think centre will be his position at grade. Mate, you get a you get a close look from from inside the the boundary ropes and everything that's going on at the Warriors. Are you able to f- fill us in on what you, what's really glaringly um, noticeable for you? within the group, like from us looking from the outside, we see a happy, confident you know, group that's working extremely hard. But what's glaringly obvious that we probably don't know that you've seen from a coaching point of view? <laughs> you've probably nailed it on the head. That's really his big thing, like um, be happy but work hard. So, um, yeah, no, just a few things added up. Obviously, we've come home, which, you know, we've just reconnected with our country and, and our club, like just all the people at the club that you, you don't see and, while you're overseas, but um, Webby obviously starts with Webby. He's he's a brilliant coach. Um, had some awesome ideas. Created a great atmosphere that our our players are really responding to. And then Richard Ago's come in. Um, he's doing a brilliant job as a young coach. Just watching him, um, the players are really playing for him. Like his persona, like they've really connected with him. And he's had some um, awesome ideas as well. Um, but yeah, the, it comes back to our preseason. Like the boys worked really hard. Um, they bought in. And then, yeah, you can just see how much uh, they're excited to come back and play in New Zealand as well. Hey, there was an article that came out on the weekend, so just to get your insight on it, and it's talking about Sean Johnson signing on and and maybe uh, just the group of halves that you have at the moment might be a little bit too top-heavy. And there's talk about young uh, Volkman um, potentially having to find another club. Is there any truth in that rumour? Um, not that I know of, mate. That's that's above my pay grade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, I grew up kind of watching Shawnee come through his prime, and he's a he's an awesome guy, mate, and he's really loving playing for the club at the moment. Um, he's playing some good footy, so yeah, that's that's, of, that's uh, higher up the ranks than me. And can you just tell us a little bit about the the players you got you um, got coming through? You know, like some some of the. The depth that you have, you know, Tane Tulpiki, we obviously saw him, as he loved the look at him in that pre-season trial. you got Valia, uh, who's just come back um, into that centre position and now looks like we've got heaps of depth in the centres because Roger Tuivasa-Shek also has to come back. But you've got a couple of really good forwards in there too. Jacob Laban, there's this good chat around about Jacob Laban. How far off seeing him in first grade are we? Yeah, Jacob's had a really unfortunate year. He... Um... He had an injury early on that kept him out for a while and after a good preseason, you know, and then he got poked in the eye and wasn't allowed to train for three weeks. So he's only played probably four or five games, but um, no, he's a great kid again, like really fit, um, still, you know, filling out his body, but he's starting to get more physical. But he's definitely a talented kid. He, he'll, he'll, um, he'll probably come through 
and hopefully later in the back here uh, once he gets some footy under his belt for us. Yeah, and and what about Slade Griffin's yeah. future, mate? What's what what's your on your horizon? Like you've been in that coaching structure now for a number of years and working your way back up through the ranks. First grade, first grade coach somewhere. You're looking to stay at the Warriors. What's your movements? Yeah, mate. I've um, obviously come through the juniors. I'm loving this role. Like uh, seeing you know a player to use Ali as an example, um, coaching him from SG Ball. And then being able to coach them uh, this year, like helping those kids transition from being um, like reserve grade players into NRL players and reaching their you know goal to want to play NRL uh, is really special. It's really rewarding watching their family come in and talk about how much it means, and um, really enjoying this role at the moment. So I'd, yeah, I'd love to stay at the Warriors as long as I can, mate. Obviously, like you said, grew up down Greymouth. Um, got skin in this game my, my family are diehards so it's not just a, a job for me you know coaching the Warriors isn't just coaching normally in our old team there's a little bit more more talk for me and my family so yeah really enjoying this role and just helping these kids um, play NRL and, and reaching their dream well someone that's played NRL and won a title Slade Griffin you've been there 2017 when you won it with the Storm Look, there's a lot of chat around this team and the confidence building within this team as and, and the country. We get excited by this team. When you think back to 2017, what are the glaring obvious things from that year that you could potentially pass on to this group? Because it is tough. It is hard to go on and win an NRL title. What are one of some of the things that the Warriors really need to nail to give themselves a chance to do what we came so close to, to doing in 2002? Yeah, I think um, obviously the biggest thing everyone talks about is being a good defensive team. Like, you have to be reliable. Like, being a good defensive team holds up uh, on the road in any conditions against any team. So you don't need to run a ball to go your way or or, or penalties. So I think just got to keep being a really strong defensive side, um, but then just competing for the whole game and just effort for your teammates. Like, just turning up, scrambling, fighting for anything. Uh, but I have seen that, obviously. You know, we've we've showed we're we're competitive, and um, we've been able to defend our goal line um, for numerous amounts of time. So, yeah, I think we've got that kind of effort and that that competitiveness in the defence. So, um, just got to uh, keep that going. Slade Ricardo here, mate. You you uh, obviously played under Ballyache at the Storm as 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 he's covered off. Last week they lost forty five twenty to the Cowboys. What would this week have looked like for that team leading into the game against the Sharks? Because, man, they turned that around. I had that down as my can't-pick-it game of the round and turned it off at halftime because I knew what was <laughs> because it was all over. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Um, they wouldn't have been too proud of that one. It, you know, it can be hard for those guys backing up from origin. So, um, you know, Harry, uh, Munster, obviously very big part of their team. Um, yeah, they would have, you know, copped a, a spray. They would have, they would have been very accountable themselves. They wouldn't have been happy individually. So they would have just, as a team, um, just probably reviewed it, been really accountable in the meeting room, and and you know, gave each other a bit of banter and that, and then just worked really hard during the week and um, come out to be a bit more physical yesterday. And then it kind of, then you start scoring some points after you, after you're a bit more physical with your defence. Yeah, he doesn't. He he doesn't mince his words, does he? Um, 
old belly ache. Mate, just from the West Coast, like, you know, the the history of the West Coast, when you're looking at it, you, repre- you represented that little um, that little town so well throughout your career, you're still doing it today. And then along comes Griffin Neem as well, who plays up with the Cowboys, that giant of a man who's um, also got his, his Kiwi jersey. What, what's it like, mate, when you're seeing still young kids like Griffin coming through? Oh, it's awesome, mate. Honestly, you don't know what it means to that town. Like, um, yeah, they were all talking about him. They were following his journey. Um, he's got that whole town behind him. It is a little bit tough to see. It's you know, it's a bit hard for rugby league down there at the moment. There's some brilliant um, people down there just trying to keep it going. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a rugby league heartland. Like there's some some tough old farm boy footy players down there that you know. Um, can kick on and generally you know you don't get all the opportunities some other people do so you got to work really hard for it and builds good work ethic and if you see the way Griffin plays his footy that kind of comes out so would have been hard for him you know playing for Canterbury and but then he got his opportunity so he's, he's doing well and doing uh, the coast proud. Yeah he certainly is hey well thanks a lot for joining us this morning mate you're doing well um, the New South Wales side they're sitting fourth at the moment only a couple of points behind the the league leaders, it looks like you're in for a hell of a ride too come the back end of the year. But uh, keep up the good work and we'll be watching your future. No, thank you very much, boys. Appreciate it. Yeah, go well. Slade Griffin there with us, the coach of the Warriors New South Wales Cup team. Are you one New Zealand Warriors biggest fan? Because you can call 0800 go warriors and leave a voicemail telling us why you're the Warriors' one big fan and you're in the draw to win the ultimate fan experience. A trip to Aussie next season, a whole bunch of signed merch and stuff could be yours as well. So get amongst it and do that. Speaking of getting amongst, Kempi's going to come up with his uh, Warriors performance of the week soon and Izzy's going to have his Super Rugby Performance of the Week as well. We've got all of those coming your way but uh, yeah it was an impressive to listen to. Slade only 32, been in the coaching game for a while but uh, he, he sounds like he could be a coach for the future Kempe. I, I watched him as a I used to run these um, camps around New Zealand and I went down and Slade Griffin who came out of the West Coast and played in the centres for um, the Southern Zone and he was just a, this little stocky Terror, mate. Terror, terrorised op- opposition centres at the stage. It was under 18s. Um, but then, obviously, Melbourne's seen that that effort in him and uh, Newcastle as well, and they took him over there and uh, ended up put, pitching himself into that hooking position. So, you know, he's he's had a pretty good um, grounding as far as coaching goes. When you're coming behind Cameron Smith at Melbourne in that hooking position and then getting into coaching, he's got a, a pretty good um, take on the game. Level-headed, you know, and that's what most of these West Coast boys are, is he? You know, like you go across that that, that mountain range and you head into little little old Westport um, Greymouth and have some whitebait fritters with the locals. A good mate of mine still down there, Phil Campbell, played uh, schoolboy Kiwis with. Um, they're just the same people. They just don't change. You know, so um, he's doing a wonderful job with that New South Wales side. And, and who better to tell us about Ali Lautoa, uh, you know, than the guy that's actually had him for the last four years. So big raps on Ali. Big raps. Uh, Kevin's texted through on double eight double three. Watch the Warriors as usual. Thought that would have to be the most mentally tough performance from them I have seen. To withstand that opening 15 is a sign of a very, very good side. Just to name a few, Fanua Blake, Klockstad, they are running all day, and Dallin, how would you like to mark him? Kempe, the new centre, looked like it was his 300th game. Webster's Warriors, brilliant. <laughs> Thanks for your text, Kevin. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. It is 8.19 on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast with Chemist Warehouse, your real house of fragrance.
Breathe easy with Vicks Vapo Shower Tablets, five pack from Chemist Warehouse, now only $17.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, welcome back. It's 24 past eight here on a Monday morning. We're going to be talking uh, NRL, the Warriors, later on in the show. We've got Kempi's Moment coming up at about 8.40, and we've got plenty of messages on the Temper Bed Post text machine in regards to that game there, Kempi. So we'll read those out as well. But it's now time to talk Super Rugby, our Pacific Player of the Week, brought to you by DHL Super Rugby Pacific. Catch the action live on Sky Sport or get tickets at superrugby.co.au. NZ. Well, plenty of names that I could be rattling off throughout that weekend of sport, but there's three glaringly obvious ones that really stood out for me. I think Sam Kane probably had his most complete performance over the weekend for the Chiefs' mana, playing in that sevens position. He was uh, outstanding at the breakdown and just everywhere making tackles left, right and centre, so Sammy Kane gets a tick from me, and also Brody Retallick, obviously two big leaders within that group, you can't look any further than that run from Harry Wilson when he just lined them up from about 30 away and teed off and showed anyone that you don't have to shoulder charge, you get low, you get around the hips, you put your head in the right position, and you can make a dominant tackle, so Brody Retallick was one of the ones that got the tick from me, but it was hard to go past this player. Riccatelli sends it away. Christy numbers. Zane Sullivan goes in low. And the Blues are in again. Yes, that's right. It's hard to go past another fullback. But like, honestly, Zane Sullivan, uh, there was question marks over his performance. He, he bursted onto the scene. But he was more of a, a kicking fullback. He's got a great left foot. And that's what I love about Zahn Sullivan. When they're under pressure at the back, the Blues, his ability to get that ball and do that banana kick, and not just a banana kick, actually rattling off metres to relieve that pressure, I think that's a, a big part of his game that the Blues really love. He's a kicking threat with that left foot of his. But now we're seeing glimpses of Zahn Sullivan with ball in hand. He is quick. He can break a game open, but he's actually got that triple threat ability that is adding to his game. There was that moment when Mark Tillier um, shrugged off Michael Hooper and they set up a ruck. There was only about a 10-metre short side. They went down the short, and it went to Zahn Sullivan. Usually Zahn Sullivan from the old days, or back in the day, would have kicked that. While he went to go kick it, because that's always his first instinct. But no, he made the good decision to dummy that kick, passed it to Bryce Heem, then they went short side to AJ Lamb, uh, inside to offload to Rico Iwani, and Finlay Christie scores that try. So Zahn Sullivan, for me, is becoming the complete player at the back. He is a triple threat, and uh, he deserves my DHL Super Rugby Pacific Player of the Week. Nice is. Um, I, I, I talked to Zahn Sullivan last season uh, on the Blues show. And we were talking about, you know, where he sees himself in a few years' time and, and things. And I didn't realise this at the time, but he came through school. He played at Napier Boys and then and then came up to King's College. But he played as a 10. He played as a mm. 10 a lot. Um, a 6'4", 10 is pretty scary. But, I mean, with those skills, is he? can you see him transitioning uh, now that he's got used to playing this level of fully at fullback? Can you see him transitioning back into the front line, playing 10 at some point? Yeah, I can. I can because he's got all the skill sets involved uh, needed for a, for a 10. 
Like he's make he makes good decisions and his kick, his left foot is probably his biggest asset. But now mm. we're seeing glimpses of making the right decision at the right moments, whether to run, whether to kick. Which the younger Zahn probably would have just kicked it, you know. So his decision making's um, you know coming through, and yeah, I can see him. But oh, look, I love him at the back. I think he's making that position his own, particularly when you're keeping a, a Stephen Perafeta out of the team, mm. and provides other options. Peter Fetter came on towards the end of that game, and Zahn um, jumped in at 10. So he could fulfil that role, and, and being a utility, obviously, um, you know, adds positives when it comes into further selections. So Zahn, yeah, outstanding. And I played with his dad, uh, Wallace Sullivan, at uh, Hawke's Bay for the Pirates. He was uh, an absolute beast. Played lock, and now his sons are playing in the backs. But, um, yep, that was, I thought he was outstanding on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, he had a very, very good game for the Blues. It'd be interesting to see how they go against the Crusaders this weekend, Kim, because the Crusaders are, you know, I, as a Blues fan, I always get worried going down to old um, Scaffold Theory Stadium. Um, <laughs> but I, I just wonder whether or not they've got so many out now and the Blues are peaking at the right time. It's a, you know, it's really, it's a really interesting t- stage to get them, isn't it, Izzy? You know, like they know, they know how to win. They, they've been here and, in, in this situation so many times at Crusaders, so I don't really think it matters um, about them showing up and performing. The Blues will just have to still be at the top of their game to go down there and win it at Orange Theory. Um, Zahn Sullivan, you know, I remember watching him last year in, in the uh, Māori All Blacks, and the kid can play. Like, he just, he got all the skills, you know what I mean? And I think what you're talking about as far as maturity goes, I think the Blues have to show a bit of maturity this weekend if they go down to the Crusaders. Like they have to be in the game for long periods of time, not trying to just sort of win it on every play, because that's how the Crusaders play. They just grind you down, you know. And if you don't get into the grind with them, uh, I can still see the Crusaders turning them over, you know. So yeah, if they if they if they well, me- if they go want to go down there and get in the fight, then they'll 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 go all right. The Blues. It's a mental battle which I think they've overcome because last year they travelled lot down south and they beat them mm. for the first time since 2003, I think it was. It was a long time anyway between drinks, the famous Carlos Spencer finger to the crowd. That was the last time. So that's past them. You're dead right. It's, it's coming down, beating them up front, which I saw their Ford pack do against the Warriors. We can't take much out of the Warriors. They were null and void, really. They didn't put anything out there, but... They 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 had forward dominance and they laid the platform for this back line. If they can continue to do that, come down, may they got a hell of a chance. Yeah, looking forward to this weekend, the semi-finals of Super Rugby. We'll talk more about that right throughout the week here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Right now, though, it is time to catch up with Aroha with news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Twenty-seven away from nine, Paulie Mawadi. Not too far away right now, though. The choices: flooring, pole, design, visualize, and create your perfect floor with room view. Earlier, I suggested that with Novak Djokovic having won the French Open and two more majors to go, two more slams to go, how many will he win? The options on the choices: flooring, pole. He'll win Wimbledon. He'll win the U.S. Open. He'll win both. He'll win neither. Those were your options. Well, here are the results, and easily on top. Winning both, 61% think he's going to clean up the rest of the season and get to 25 grand slams. 17% thinks he'll win the US, but nothing else. 
11% think you'll win Wimbledon and nothing else, and 11% think you'll win neither. So there you go. But most of you, 61%, saying that Novak Djokovic will clean up and get to 25 grand slams before the end of the season. That is our Choices Flooring Poll. Discover your signature style and enjoy a virtual design experience with Choices Flooring's Room View. Time now to catch up with our good friend from the TAB, Paulie Mawadi. And I don't know if you've got a... Uh, you got a market on it yet, mate? But uh, what do you reckon it'd be paying for to back Novak to to clean sweep the rest of the Grand Slams this season? Oh boy, oh boy! Uh, I think you get a fairly juicy price. To be fair, um, first of all, you've got to take into consideration injury. Um, he is getting on in years, um, but I guess the way that he um, took the field apart uh, and he had to beat um, the number one seed. Uh, to actually win the French Open as well, Alcaraz, um, it's not without the uh, outside the realms of possibility. Paulie, the Warriors, I've just checked them on the uh, grand final winning it. They're still at $31. Is that a good bet? Well, there's quite a few punters out there who think so. Um, We we can't turn the tap off uh, in terms of anything to do uh, with the Warriors. So... Yeah, the punters picked up quite a bit of cash on the weekend with the Warriors. Um, I, I guess that first half defensive effort paved the way for that second half uh, offensive, uh, offensive onslaught, and they were just a wee bit too good. Um, almost like it was Sean Johnson's 300th game, uh, not Croker's. So, uh, yeah, Warriors fans, Warriors punters were very well rewarded on the weekend, and, and rightly so. Boy, oh boy, they look like a very, very good team. And I can tell you, in that to make the top eight uh, market, they are by far and away our worst result. Punters have jumped on all season on the Warriors to make the eight. So uh, I'm guessing that's why um, the boys um, are just treating a, a wee bit carefully there in that book, and I see they're $1.52 at the moment, Warriors, to make the eight. Oh, such a good bet, mate. We're all faithful as anything. Uh, let's talk a little bit of golf because Nick Taylor yeah. is leading that Canadian Open. There hasn't been a Canadian winner since 53. What are the odds for him taking this out? He's got a two-shot lead after 12. What's happened to Rory? Yeah, yeah well, Rory's just not – he can't hit his putts, unfortunately, for uh, McElroy oh. uh, fans. But the local boy, as you're saying, Nick Taylor, who started this tournament at around $61 to win the Canadian Open and posted a three-over first round, um, has stormed back into contention. uh, contention. And as you say, he now holds a two-stroke lead. He's at $1.61 at the moment. Tommy Fleetwood, the Englishman, he's at $3.60. His countryman, Aaron Rye, is at $13. And Mark Hubbard, also at $13. But all local eyes are on Nick Taylor, who is currently uh, $1.61 at the uh, Oakdale Golf and Country Club and holds a two-stroke lead currently over Aaron Rye uh, and Tommy Fleetwood, who are both tied at 14-under. Mate, you got the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat coming up as well. It looks like it could be all sorted. What What's the uh, the TAB saying on that one, Paulie? Oh well, the boys have got the Nuggets very, very warm favourites. They're nine point favourites. They're a dollar twenty four the Nuggets uh, to win uh, this game and the series uh, if they do in fact win uh, tomorrow. Uh, the Heat, though, we, we've taken a bit of heat on the Heat. They're three ninety, and punters think that Jimmy Butler and the boys can bounce back. 
uh, even though this game will be in Denver, I think the Heat can ba- bounce back, and we've taken slightly more money on the Heat than we have on the Nuggets in that head-to-head market. So at the moment, uh, action on the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler uh, to pick another game up and force us to a, a, at least a game six. Good stuff, Paulie. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Go well. And, uh, yeah, I hope the boys aren't sweating it too hard because Kane has just sent us a text through saying, I got on the Warriors at $5.50 at the start of the season to make the eight. Man, that is oh. a big swing. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, to be fair, he's not the only one, boy. <laughs> Good stuff. Download the TAB app today. You can bet on sports and racing anywhere you go. Uh, just gamble responsibly. It is R18, of course. 22 away from nine. When we come back, we're going to take your calls. We'll read your texts. And Kempi's going to give us his Grain Corp Feeds Warriors Moment of the Weekend. This week at Chemist Warehouse, find clear eyes eye drops for only $9.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. 16 away from 9 and time for the Warriors quality moment of the weekend. Thanks to Grain Corp Feeds, your trusted partner for quality dairy feed options. Kempi, who you got? Ooh, is there so many of them, you know what I mean? Like the defensive um, effort in that first 20 minutes was... Honestly, it was so good to watch, and just I was sitting there saying, "Man, just you guys hang on, just hang on in here, and uh, the momentum's going to swing." And didn't it swing? You know, Tom Arlett coming out and scoring his first try. That nice little ball, Tohu Harris, and that little pass that he's got. The same with Dills Walker when he comes on, he's got the same one. Um, that was nice to watch. Chance Nicol Cox said the way that he played and the way that he carried that football for the whole game uh, and getting the score. That try out there on the right side around Crocus when he's playing his 300th. Oh, look, I thought he was he was absolutely outstanding. Shorty's intercept at the end, the turnaround cheeky smile to the Canberra Raiders, um, rubbing salt into the wound was uh, pretty interesting. Um, but for me, there's been a couple of guys that have scored this try before. Brett Morris was one for St George. He's, he's jumped up over the, over the top of players as he's been pushed out and put the ball down. And another one that did it was Dave Nofaluma, who did it for the West Tigers. He was exactly the same. He was headed out and put the ball down. And I don't think anyone actually gets to understand how hard a kick it is to put this kick on the money when you are moving at pace across a defensive line and you can see the opening out wide. So he's get to read it. If you see the eagle cam shot, he's seen it, Dallin. So Dallin Martini Zelezniak seen the play. There's one winger out there he's... 15 metres in infield, Dallin's just put his hand up and Shawnee's moving so quickly across the field, he puts it on the money. Like, if you put a 20-cent coin on the, on the dot and said, Shawnee, I want you to put that, that scud-type kick over in the, in the corner and allow me to get up and take it so I can put it, put it down on it, Sean could have nailed that kick any better. And that try from Dallin was Wateni um, Zelezniak. This is my moment. Tackle five now. Goes to Johnson. Johnson with a kick out towards the corner. Watini's a Lesniak! It's a oh, catch! And what, what an amazing try! try from Dallin Watini's a Lesniak! It's going to be his eighth try in eight games. And I tell you what, you'll want to watch it again. Sean Johnson with a kick hugging the touchline. Watini's a Lesniak. How on earth has he put this down, Blake Aceford? I, I, I don't know. I need to see a replay. How has he put this it. down? Well, I don't need to see a replay. He saw that before the play happened, Dallin, and of course when Sean's in that type of form that he's in at the moment and the way that 
he's put such a difficult kick together to land exactly where it needed. Mm. We didn't need to check the feet. He put it on the money, and Dallin Watini's the lesson. That's the moment of the week. There you go. Grain Corp feeds your trusted partner for high-quality dry and liquid dairy feed options, supplying farmers nationwide with your Warriors quality moment. I, the question I have for you, gentlemen, is uh, how much of that finishing that Dallin has had this season, eight tries in the last eight games, is down to the mullet? <laughs> <laughs> the broker to the mullet. <laughs> oh, he flies through. Mate, oh, is, is Dallin playing his best football ever? Like you think of one back the clock to when he was in the Panthers, and then he's come over and made the shift to the Warriors. I don't think I've ever seen him better. And Josh Mansell's come out on Twitter and said, "Mate, it's great to see Dallin Martinez Lesnick winding back the clock and just reaping the rewards." He is that back three would have to be one of the best back threes in the comp. Their work, what I love about them, Kempi, is their work from their own line. When the forwards are tough and they're getting in there, Dallin doesn't shy away from the contact. He's not a big man. But, man, he runs like he's a Aiden Fanor Blake. And then you get it to Chance, Nickel Clodstag, who winds up the metres and eats 20 metres, and then Montoya comes off his wing. That's what's impressing me, is this work rate of this back three. And, and, and it needs to start there. You know, there's a couple of big moments mm. in the game. I was getting frustrated in that first half. I sent a text message to Sammy Hewitt, and I said, you know, the officiating is less than average. Okay, so Dallin, he runs in, and he gets he gets a penalty against him um, for just going back to his wing. And uh, and the big uh, number 13 for Canberra lashed out. He gets the penalty. I thought that was, that was really strange. And then all of a sudden, we get two boys put in the sin bin. Mitch Barnett goes to the sin bin, um, and then the same thing happens to Canberra. Exactly the same circumstances, and they get a penalty and get put on report. You know, like the, just the the. I guess the the thing I want to say about this Warrior side is they're not allowing frustration to creep in yeah. and upset their their rhythm. Like they just took it on the chin and they went. It, it sort of made them more resilient. And they just got better and better and better. And that little cheeky turn, you know, that Sean did right at the end, mm. that little cheeky turn is to say, well, you're not frustrating us. We're just going to play football, you know. And I just, I thought that Jack Whiten should have been in the sin bin. That was just such a poor call from the referees, but it wasn't and it didn't affect them. We've had quite a few texts on double eight double three this morning about this game. Uh, this one, no name on it. Please, when you do text us on double eight double three, put your name so we can give you a shout out. Uh, Metcalf showing solid defence, and I like the look of Ali. Think his potential is huge and uh, huge. And how he spoke after the game on TV is a credit to him and all involved in the Warriors' top four. I, well, that's what I said with my off the back fence. We always knew that if they got through these three games with a couple and they take the buy in, their run home is, is quite. Um, favourable, you know what I mean? So what I saw on the weekend, it wasn't the attack, it was the defence. The defence, if they can stay second or even clip the first Penrith as, as the best defensive in the comp, mate, they'll finish top four and then it's all on. What about the Simbins? We heard a message coming through from Aaron Shepard, uh, Leopard. Sorry, Kempi, what's your thoughts on the Simbins in the Warriors game? I felt they were once again inconsistent, which is what you alluded to in that talk. A hundred percent. And I, I, look, I found myself getting frustrated watching it. You know, they weren't getting any rub of the green. And this is the thing with them, why, why it's so pleasing, is they didn't let it affect them. Like Jack White should have been going, yeah, in the Simbin, put, put your hand up, cross your arms, um, put it on report, but get back, we're just going to give you a penalty, you stay on there. Like, the Warriors, they lost two. That's the other thing about this. They lost two players during the game. So you've got 20 minutes where you've had to play with 12 men. 
after defending so um, stoutly like that that in the first half, you'd think the energy levels would have been um, hurt, but they were getting better. So they're fit. You know, that's what Andrew Webster's got. Mm. He's got a fit side that are really starting to build some belief behind them. And I like what I've seen defensively. I think that's the key. Did you boys notice what a grub Jack Whiten is? Always trying to shoulder in the tackle when he's second or third tackler. That one's come through as well on double eight, double three. I like him. I like. I've always liked Jack Whiten because he plays it's tough. A kimpy move. That's what that means. And and he's a big, he's a big five eight that that likes carrying the ball at the line. And he's you know got a great haircut. Um, yeah, no, he's <laughs> look. There's so many of them in the competition. I just think like, like as he said, what we want. Just imagine if we do get a consistent referee week in, week out with this side. They don't have to deal with those those frustrating instances, um, which they're, they're not anyway. I'm, I'm taking my hat off to them for not having to even think about that on the weekend. You touched on it, AKMP. Take the ref out of the game, but if the ref's having an influence, don't get frustrated. That's the biggest thing that we're seeing at the moment. And as us as fans, we get frustrated. We go on Twitter and we unleash. But the Warriors, they ain't getting caught up in it and uh, they're making their own moves. So, mate, honestly... Oh, I'm on board. I'm on this train. It's so good. <laughs> uh, Marshy from the Hawks Bay is asking if they've got to buy this week. Yes, they do, Marshy. Also, yes, Fanua yep. Blake was outstanding. Uh, plenty of texts coming through. They've, lost, eight, they've lost Mitch Barnett for a week. Oh, does that count on bye week? Can we no, count bye week? No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's something that the Aussies would do. Yeah, it doesn't. But we probably get we probably get Dills Walker back for the next game. So um, i tell you what, Mitch Barnett has been outstanding in his two return games. Yes, yes. Now we did ask at the beginning of this uh, of the show about the uh, can't wait question of the day about the goats to goats with all the goats that have been in action this weekend. And Joey did send this through. Boys, a salute to the ladies this weekend in sport. First female trainer to win the Belmont Stakes and a Triple Crown race on the fiftieth anniversary of Secretat winning the Triple Crown with Archangelo and Jenna Antichini. Sam Otley six seven eight harness driving wins, creating a new New Zealand harness record. Uh, Amanda Nunes destroys Aldana, UFC 289. And Oklahoma Women's Softball, three-peat national tournament, 53 straight wins. The ladies mm. uh, doing it this weekend, gone. Uh, plenty of great female athletes awesome. standing out. Uh, we're going to catch up with Smithy shortly. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.